onset of starlight from flashbangs and frag grenades by Calchaxis read by Sam Gabriel based on League of Legends by Riot Games Chapter 12 Five Strings Serenade You called me? Renata looked at Seraphine coolly where she stood at the threshold of her office. Setting down her tools, Renata beckoned her to come in, and Seraphine obeyed as she always did. That obedience was a part of their contract, after all. She moved to the chalonge and sat down, smoothing out her long, dark skirt so it fell modestly over her legs. That and her sharply tailored green and black blouse embroidered with the emblem of Glask Industries was a constant reminder of precisely to whom Seraphine Arctura belonged. Why do you use it? Seraphine asked. You'll have to be more specific, kitten, Renata said as she went back to work. Splayed in pieces before her was her respirator, along with all the various and sundry tools Renata used to clean and maintain it. She wasn't much of a tinkerer, but she never permitted anyone to work on this particular machine. It would be far too easy to introduce some vibral agent into the purification manifold, or otherwise sabotage it. She had not gotten to the age she was by being reckless, after all. The Shimmer, Seraphine said quietly. It's not Shimmer, Renata said calmly as she tightened a small screw. It's a derivative that I concocted based on the formula. Seraphine leaned back in her seat and asked, What's the difference? The potency is less than ten percent that of true shimmer, and the side effects are almost non-existent. The addictive quality, too, isn't nearly as egregious. It provides a variety of benefits with few drawbacks. Renata snapped the last piece of her mask back into place and looked up at Seraphine. Now tell me why you ask. Those clear water eyes met her own without guile. All her life Renata had learned to look into the eyes of others and search out the danger. She had learned to read them like scraps of paper, read their wants and desires, and all their wicked little plans. It was strange to look at someone and see nothing, no darker motives, just a kind of softness. It was the sort of thing that Zahn strangled in the crib. Shimmer kills, Seraphine said. Even the diluted stuff that people sell in alleys, it's not shimmer. Renata spoke over her. Whatever they're selling, it's not shimmer. The formula for real shimmer is in the mind of one man and the veins of a single woman. Then what are they selling? Seraphine asked. Most are a simple narco-stimulant cocktail. Renata picked up her mask and looked it over one last time, before nodding and fitting it back over her mouth and nose. Makes you feel like a king for a few hours before you're left shitting yourself inside out while you vomit blood, all while craving just one more fix. Seraphine shook her head and said, Why? Why sell it or why take it? I know why people sell it. Seraphine said, meeting Renata's eyes again. People sell it because they're like you, and they profit off of misery. But why— To feel strong, Renata said, and even she was surprised at the softer tone of her voice as she stood from her desk and crossed the room to stand over Seraphine. 
She held out a hand, and Seraphine took it. Her skin was smooth and pale and soft, and her hand was so small. Piltover does not want us to feel strong, Renata said. So they hurt us, and they break us, and they kill us. They beat and stab and poison us. And so, there are many who would give very much to feel strong, even just for a little while. But it kills them, Seraphine said angrily. So what's the point? When you have nothing. She pulled Seraphine to her feet, let go of her hand, and took that dainty little chin between her fingers. Absolutely nothing, not even a hope. Then trading all the remaining years of your life for a few fleeting moments of power is not so bad a deal. Renata felt her swallow, felt that pale, pretty throat bob as Seraphine stared up at her past pretty pink curls. So why do you use it? Didn't I tell you, kitten? Renata replied. You... Power is worth the trade. She let go of Seraphine's chin and stroked a finger along her cheek. Now you will come with me. There was no argument as Renata held out her arm and Seraphine took it. It had been a little surprising how easily the young singer had fallen into the role she'd been dealt, and Renata found herself taking a softer touch with the girl than she'd thought would be required. She had expected Seraphine to push back to test the limits of her gentle captivity, but she hadn't except perhaps in the loosest, most inoffensive ways as she just had. Seraphine leaned into her and Renata pulled her arm in a little more until they were walking side by side and nearly flush. Where are we going? she asked. I have a meeting, Renata replied. One that I am going to require your presence for. Why? Context, Renata replied. She led them to the elevator, punched in a code and waited. Seraphine's eyes tracked the code, but she was naive, not stupid. In fact, she was sharp as a tack. Quite a gifted girl, and that wasn't even counting her magic. She was brave, ambitious, daring, and had a good head on her shoulders. Those made for a dangerous combination. The elevator doors opened with a pneumatic hiss, and Renata stepped inside with Seraphine in tow. They stood together, surrounded by the distorted mirrored echoes of each other in the polished walls of the cab as the doors hissed shut and the elevator began to ascend. Your arm, Seraphine said, breaking the silence with her soft voice. I never asked, but does it hurt? I know a lot of Hextech prosthetics hurt because of the nerve connection, but I don't know much about Chemtech. Had she made the connection? Perhaps it didn't particularly matter, but at the same time something about it rankled. Still, it wasn't in her nature to cover or hide. If she knew, then she knew it changed nothing. So Renata nodded and said, Yes and no. Chemtech prosthetics were a product of necessity, just like every other form of Zonite-born ingenuity, and as such is a combination of crude and refined. But it does hurt? Seraphine asked. Renata briefly considered dodging the question, but that would be like showing her belly. Pain was nothing. Pain was an old friend, a bitter, abusive old friend, whom she had known all her life, and which had seen her through the darkest and most hateful pits of her existence. 
Pain had beaten her down. It had broken her back. But then it had filled her with fire, screamed its vitriol into her. And it had given her the strength to get up again, over and over and over. The pain is unimaginable, Renata said. Raw nerves exposed to the fluid flow of chemical mediums, hooked in with wires and crude electrostatic signals. But the narcotic elements of the chemicals numb the pain. Seraphine turns to stare up at her with wide eyes. So, she started, you don't feel it? A body becomes inured to narcotics eventually, Renata replied. Her eyes widened a little more, and she looked down at Renata's arm in horror. But Renata spoke before she could say a word. Do not pity me. My prosthetic is significantly more refined than most, and pain never stopped me anyway. The elevator doors hissed open, and Renata stepped out. Seraphine stumbled a step behind her, but caught up quickly, and a moment later they were walking in lockstep again. Seraphine's shorter stature necessitated a slower pace, but that didn't trouble Renata in the slightest. In fact, she found that Seraphine's presence on her arm and the speed she was forced to move at to keep her that way made her appear more relaxed and casual. An unexpected benefit. Renata Glask did so love unexpected benefits. They did not step out onto the lobby floor of the Glask Industries spire in Piltover, but rather onto a landing that was much, much higher. The spire rose over seventy floors, and that was just the part that was above ground. It was seated into the bedrock of the plateau so deep that it spilled out from Zon into Piltover like a spear thrust up and out from within the heart of the city. One day, aspects willing, perhaps it would prove to be the mortal wound that killed the wretched place. Renata led them down a long hallway with plush carpets the color of rich red wine. The hall was lit with warm chemlights rather than their Hextech counterparts. The floor housed a series of conference rooms, with the largest and most opulent being at the end of the hall. That was where she hosted her board meetings as well as where she met with the highest of company. You will do as I say in this meeting, kitten, Renata said. I know. Seraphine replied. That was not a question. Renata stopped at the door and looked down at her. You will be tempted, I'm sure. But I suggest you think very, very carefully before you betray me. Seraphine sighed and detached herself from Renata's arm, stepped in front of her and looked up. She was so small and so slight. It would have taken less effort to break her neck than it took to get up in the morning some days, and yet Seraphine stared up with eyes that were completely fearless. Slowly she reached for the tie that Renata had chosen, tugged it straight, then laid a hand on the knot she'd just fixed. I'm not going to betray you, Renata, Seraphine said, smiling faintly. And I like your tie, it matches my hair. I'm aware. Renata replied stiffly before reaching out and trailing the sharp fingers of her prosthetic through Seraphine's curls. Shall we? Renata nodded and held out her arm, which Seraphine took before settling in comfortably at her side again, right where she belonged. 
The doors opened without a single noise. The oiled hinges were clean and rust-free, like so much of the upper levels of the spire. In truth, Renata hated it. She hated how dead it all felt. It was as though Piltovens begrudged any sign of actual life. Thank you for patience, lady and gentlemen, Renata announced as she walked in and smiled beneath her mask at the three sharp intakes of breath that came from her guests. Not at her, no. They were looking at Seraphine. Counselors Talus, Haskell, and Shula, the last two having taken the enviable council seats that represented their respective houses in place of their siblings that had died in the conflagration years ago, were staring with ill-concealed shock at the girl on Renata's arm. The room was large and lavish, perfect for Piltovens to feel comfortable in while she fleeced them of all that they were worth. The table was several meters long and made from real wood imported from Damasia, and the chairs were of the same make and quality. Jace Talis, the vaunted man of tomorrow, was seated several seats down from the head of the table where Renata was seating herself. Across from him was Bander Haskell, some nephew of the late Haskell the Elder, and Ramashula, the younger sibling who had happily claimed her sister's chair at the council after she had been reduced to ash and slag. Renata settled into her high-backed chair and said, Can I offer refreshments? No, we're fine, Chase said grimly, his gaze flicking back to Seraphine every so often before he finally forced himself to meet Renata's gaze. You know why we're here, Miss Glask. Oh, yes, I do, Renata replied, interlacing her fingers together in a fist in front of her. Understand that normally I enjoy the political game, but we've been playing this one for far too long, and I do not appreciate having my time wasted. So let us cut to the quick and be done with it. The Arcturus, Councillor Shula said, pointedly keeping her eyes on Renata and not on Seraphine. Renata smiled beneath her mask, made some space between herself and the table, then casually reached up and looped an arm around Seraphine's waist to pull her slowly down until the singer was sitting on her lap. What about them? Renata said blithely as she let her hand come to rest on the gentle swell of Seraphine's hip. Let them go, Chase said, his voice tight. My understanding was that the Council had accepted my barrister's word on the matter that the Arcturas were under my aegis by their own will, Renata said as she brought her prosthetic arm up to begin idly examining the claws at the tips of her fingers, then looked up to meet the young Talus's gaze as she drew Seraphine just that much closer. Has something changed? Jace brought his fist thunderously down onto the table, and it shook under the surprising muscle and mass of the councilman. For all his academic ways, the man was still Forge-Smith par excellence. Renata could appreciate a man who kept himself in shape, at least from a practical and aesthetic standpoint. "'Enough of your games, Glask,' Jace said grimly before leaning back and tugging his jacket straight. Medarda stands with me, houses Haskell and Shula have their own allies, so we three represent a functional majority on the council, he said, gesturing between himself and the other two. 
Tell us what you want for the safe release and return of Lena and Tolvis Arctura, and I'm sure we can come to an agreement. Renata didn't reply immediately. No, she let them simmer, let them bask in their own incompetence, while she savored the satisfaction of having the council come hounding after once they'd realized they'd been had. And of course their response was so classically Piltoven, throw enough money at a problem and it will eventually go away. Except this time it wouldn't. I believe my barrister was quite clear on the matter, Renata said. But if you won't take my word for it. She reached into her jacket and pulled out two envelopes of excellent stationery, which she tossed across the table. Then perhaps you will take theirs. The envelopes came to a skidding stop in front of the councillors, and Jace took one up, flipped it open, and scanned it. Signed affidavits from the two in question, renouncing their Piltoven citizenship, and formally declaring their intent to be repatriated into Zon, Renata said. Jace lowered the letter as Councillor Haskell barked out, Now see here, you old bat. You can't possibly think we'd take these... these... He gestured brusquely at the letter. Blatant fabrication, seriously. Now, we're offering you the deal of a lifetime. Of ten Zornite lifetimes, Glask, and I advise you take it. Counselor, I advise that you soothe your collar, Chase said through a clenched jaw. He didn't look up at the other two. The newest Haskell was clearly no more an academic or political tactician than was his uncle, and while Shula the Younger seemed to catch on, it was clear that only Talis himself was beginning to grasp how utterly fucked they were. Miss Glask, I'm sure I do not have to explain to you the precarious position that Piltover and Zahn have found themselves in, she said quietly. So I am asking you as a peace-loving man to please... It cost him something to say that final word, and Renata was living for it. Work with us and I'm sure we can find a way for everyone to come out of this happy. Happy? The three counselors looked up, as if they'd actually managed to forget that Seraphine was in the room, despite visibly being in Renata's lap. My family isn't a bargaining chip, counselor, Seraphine said, with an admirable level of control considering that she was actually shaking. Miss Arctura. Chase started. I understand that you are doing what you feel is necessary, and I sympathize, but if you had just given us time— I gave you time! The bulletproof glass of the conference room windows shook in their frames. Rattled by the power of Seraphine's supernatural voice, Renata gave her hip a gentle squeeze as she brought her other hand up and laid the metal fingers of her prosthetic on Seraphine's cheek to turn her face away from the council delegation until they were eye to eye. Renata's breath caught in her throat as she met Seraphine's gaze. Those clear water eyes were lit from within with a gorgeous fury, and her full lips were pressed to a thin, angry line. In that moment, she actually considered herself exceptionally fortunate that she was wearing her mask, because if she hadn't been, then she was at least passingly certain that she might have tried to kiss those angry lips. Fury was an absurdly attractive look on Seraphine. Fury. 
Renata mentally filed away an idea for a new fashion line, while Seraphine slowly began to relax, and finally, she let her gaze fall, and Renata nodded wordlessly before looking back at Talus and his hangers-on. I understand your position, but truly, I'm afraid that your assumptions are incorrect, Renata said pointedly. I'm not some storybook monster that keeps the poor villagers in cages until the White Knight comes to free them, Mr. Talus. The Arcturas are not in my bailiwick, nor are they mine to trade to you. She sat up slightly in her seat, moved her hand from Seraphine's waist to the small of her back, and said, And of course I knew you would not take my word that those affidavits were genuine, so go ahead, my dear. Tell them the truth. Seraphine straightened and looked the counselors in the eye, and Renata was certain that they saw the same wounded anger that she had seen a moment ago, as Seraphine stood from where she'd been seated and said, my parents are quite happy to return to the city of their birth, and I can testify that those affidavits are entirely genuine, Counselor. Jace met her gaze evenly for a long moment before saying, Miss Arctura, I understand your frustration with the Council's choices and their movements, but I am asking you not as a Counselor or even as a Piltoven, but as a person to reconsider your position and statement. I've considered my position quite enough, thank you, Seraphine replied. This is not a game, Miss Arctura. This is much bigger than one person or one family. With all due respect, Counselor, I am aware of that. Seraphine reached back and, to Renata's surprise, took the hand that was on the chair's armrest and grasped it firmly. And with a smile hidden by a steel rebreather, Renata casually allowed their fingers to entwine. You have this one chance to make a difference, Seraphine. Please, Chase said, his expression softening with something like desperation. I know you feel that we betrayed you, and maybe you're right, so please let us try to make it up to you and your family. Just one more chance is all I'm asking. The bastard was playing to her soft heart. This was the tipping point, the place that Renata knew they would come to. Jace Tallis was an endearing young man, and quite good at his job whether he realized it or not. Part of that was because he was so earnest, and that personality earned him quite a lot of points with the people. It was hard not to like him. Seraphine, too, was earnest. And if anything was going to reach her, it would be that, but unfortunately for Counselor Talis, getting to that part of Seraphine would require one thing first. I'm sure I have no idea what you're talking about, Counselor, Seraphine said with just a hint of vindictiveness that lit a fire in Renata's belly. My parents decided to return to Zahn, and Miss Glask was kind enough to aid that transition— and I'm quite happy with my current contractual obligations to Glask Industries, thank you. To get to Seraphine's kindness, Jace would first have to get through her rage, and that was not something he was capable of. I don't think you realize that if you make this statement official, Counselor Shula said, leaning in next to Jace, then the Council will no longer be able to interfere in your case, Miss Arctura. You will be utterly at their mercy. At whose mercy? Seraphine asked, tilting out her delicate chin belligerently. My parents have retired, 
and I'm quite happy with my... She pointedly sat back down in Renata's lap. Current position. You stupid girl! Haskell snarled as he stood up. That's quite enough, Renata said sharply as she curled her arm around Seraphine's waist. I have endured your rambling and accusations, counselors, but I'm a busy woman and my time is quite valuable, so take those declarations. She gestured to the letters. And if you require a full statement from Miss Arctura in addition to them, then you may submit that request in writing to my barrister by post. This isn't over, Glask, Chase spat. Oh, I know that. And I assure you that when it is finally over, you will wish that it had ended here. Now, Renata made a sharply dismissive gesture. Get out of my spire and take your sycophants with you, boy. We are counselors of Piltover! Hartel stood, his well-fed face turning red with indignation. You will show us the respect that we are due! Renata narrowed her eyes at him before saying, I just did. You! This is private property, counselor, Renata said. Don't make me call my security to have you escorted from the premises. Counselors, it's time to go, Chase said before Haskell could humiliate himself further, which was a bit of a shame. Shula seemed more difficult to ruffle and gave a stiff nod as she stepped away, before actually managing a curt, respectful bow before exiting the conference room. Hostel made no such obeisance as he left, while Jace hesitated behind them at the door, then looked back at Seraphine. One last chance, Miss Arctura. We can still help you. I can still help you, Jace said. I told you, Counselor Talus. Seraphine replied stonily. I have no idea what you're talking about. For what it's worth, he said as he made to leave, I am sorry. The door closed with a dull, slow thump, and the moment it did, Seraphine stood up, then started to shake as she gritted her teeth and took long, angry, gulping breaths. Tears were streaming down her cheeks as she stormed down from one end of the room, then back, and halfway there she seized one of the chairs by its high back and threw it to the ground before turning and slamming her fists into the table. How dare they! Seraphine dug her fingernails into the expensive veneer on the wood, but Renata couldn't have cared less. The sight was worth every cent of repair. How dare they! The room shook, the window rattled deafeningly, and the long hardwood table cracked straight down the middle at the manifold rage in her voice. You were only ever a simple soldati in that strategia game, kitten, Renata said. And worse, you were a piece they thought safely ensconced in their control. She held out a hand, beckoning the furious singer over. So you took me away from them, Seraphine said looking up at her with bitter fury in her eyes. Still she obeyed, walked over, and took Renata's hand. They made it so easy, Renata replied as she ran her thumb over Seraphine's slender fingers. They ignored me for weeks, Seraphine sobbed. For weeks? They fed me bullshit platitudes, told me the same thing over and over and over, that there was nothing they could do, and then... The moment! Her voice peaked and the room shook. I whore myself out to you. 
All of a sudden, they're bending over backwards. I really think of you more as a conversation piece or a memento mori than a whore. I hate you, Seraphine whispered. Renata stood and towered over Seraphine, staring down at her tear-streaked face. Even in her fury, she was fetchingly beautiful and let go of her hand to brush the tears from her cheeks with her knuckles. Do you know? She asked. You just want to use me, Seraphine said, just like they do. Renata chuckled at that. Ah, oh, but they wanted their soldati back, kitten. And even in their desperation to recover what I have taken from them, they still do not understand their error. Sniffling, Seraphine shook her head, and even despite her hatred, she took what mean and wretched human comfort she could from Renata as she leaned against the hand that was still touching her cheek. What error? That you are not a soldati, a soldier, Renata replied, pressing her palm to Seraphine's cheek and raising her head. You're a queen. Her eyes widened in surprise, and she even stopped shaking as Renata traced the elegant line of her cheek before bringing her thumb to rest on those deliciously pursed lips. Everything about Seraphine Arctura was so very soft, or so it seemed, and yet that softness belied a steel core of the finest quality. I am many things, but I am not a fool. And I know the value of an asset, Renata said. Make no mistake, I am more than aware that your value is immeasurable. Isn't it dangerous to tell me that? Seraphine said. Why would it be dangerous? Renata asked, one eyebrow arching upward. I could start asking for things, demanding them. If I'm so valuable, what's to stop me from taking advantage of it? Oh, by all means, ask. Renata tapped her thumb against Seraphine's lips. Let me indulge you, kitten. I would love for you to become accustomed to being doted on. Seraphine closed a hand around Renata's wrist and dragged it away from her face as she spat out, I'm not your toy! Oh, but that's exactly what you are, my dear. Renata hissed as she jerked her hand out of Seraphine's grasp. Whatever you do, and wherever you go, I've made sure that you carry the name of Glask, scrawled all over your pretty face. Seraphine's hand crossed Renata's cheek in a resounding slap. Although it barely moved her, the surprise was enough to cut through her words. I am not, Seraphine repeated through her teeth, your toy. The faint sting of the slap sank into Renata's cheek as she slowly turned her head back to stare down at Seraphine, who swallowed visibly as she started to shake. Steel core or not, there was still fear in her. She was still young and afraid, a terrified little doe, and Renata tasted that fear along with the copper tang of her own bitten cheek as she laid her fingers over the spot on her cheek that Seraphine had struck. My, my. Perhaps I have given you too much slack, kitten, Renata said flatly. 
The gravity of the situation seemed to sink in as the blood drained from Seraphine's face, and she took a shaky step back. I'm... I'm not afraid of you, she said. Didn't I tell you that you're a poor liar? Renata asked. You're not going to hurt me. Oh, really? The knuckles in Renata's real hand popped and cracked as she flexed her fingers. Slowly, she undid the buttons on the cuffs of her shirt, then rolled them back, then began rolling her sleeves up to the elbow. I could kill you with my voice, Seraphine said tremulously. You can certainly try. Crack. Renata snapped her head around to the broad window of the conference room where a large metal plate had struck the outside surface. A half-meter-long spiked bolt protruded from the center of the plate, and it penetrated the reinforced glass of the window. And a second later that bolt split into three pieces, blooming open like a metal flower to anchor itself against the window. Well, shit. Renata bit the mouthpiece trigger in her mask and at the same time triggered a similar mechanism in her arm, and immediately both reservoirs of the dilution she called Shine flooded her veins. Hard muscle turns to steel, and time seemed to slow as her senses accelerated. How long? Seconds? Only seconds, surely. Renata moved like lightning, twisting her prosthetic arm around to grip the underside of the cracked table and tore it from where it had been moored against the floor. She dropped to her knees and dragged Seraphine down alongside her with her other arm as she heaved the enormous table over her head. The gears and servos in her prosthetic screamed with the sudden strain as she threw the table at the window, then whipped around to cover Seraphine's smaller body with her own. All of it happened in the seconds before the bomb that had been launched at the conference window detonated. Seraphine's scream was swallowed by the force of the detonation. The thick glass practically disintegrated as the shaped charge blew inward. It destroyed the window, along with most of the wall it was set into. The explosion was mercifully blunted by the thick, heavy table, and the worst of it blown back outside. But there was a cost to that, as there was to all things. Renata roared as her back was flayed by the razor splinters that were sprayed across her by the table's death. Her ears were ringing and the rest of her senses were eclipsed by agony as she forced herself to draw in breath after ragged breath. Move. She had to move. The bomb might have been only step one. If there was a sniper, then the moment the smoke cleared, they were both dead. Hold on. Renata croaked as she took in another breath of shine, and the ruinous pain faded briefly back to a dull roar. It was enough for her to get her arms underneath Seraphine, hoist her up and stand, before running for the door. She shouldered it open and stumbled into the hall before slamming it shut and dropping to her knees, while Seraphine clung to her chest, shaking like a leaf, and despite the pain, Renata pulled her closer. Are you all right? Renata muttered, and Seraphine nodded wordlessly. Good. That's good. Warning klaxons were blaring above them, and within seconds her emergency response drones were spilling into the hall and into the room to put out the fire. This wasn't the council's style, not really. No, someone had been following the delegation, waiting and watching for the outcome of that meeting. Someone more than just the council was interested in Seraphine's sudden move to Zaun. That was far more dedicated of an assassination attempt than even Renata was used to. That was no rocket. 
A rocket would have blunted against the defenses of her spire. No, that was a shaped, hex-tech explosive. A complex bunker-buster made to penetrate thick defensive shielding by creating a breach with a tungsten spike and then blowing apart the compromised structure, all in an attempt to kill Seraphine Arctura. Al Renata was certain that the culprit would shed no tears if she had died too, but this was... No, this wasn't an assassination attempt on her. She was too durable for something like that, but Seraphine... Seraphine wasn't chemhanced. She was a powerful natural mage, but that magic meant nothing if you died before you could use it. Classic Piltover. Renata! Seraphine sobbed. Are you all right? I will live, she rasped before forcing herself to stand, cradling Seraphine. I always do. The text of this story is available on AO3. Music by Dot Matrix. If you would like me to record a story, voiceover, or character, get in touch using the contact information available on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as a link to my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.